This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with a Goat Doc. This episode is going to be about the wild and amazing fermenting vat that powers all of our goats and other ruminants called the rumen. Uh, I'll talk about, I'm going to talk about kind of like more of the GI than just the rumen, but uh, the rumen is the big one. So going to kind of break down what all is going on in there in an anatomy way, in a physiology way, and uh, hopefully it's helpful or interesting or both. Uh, This is definitely going to be an episode that's going to be heavy on the anatomy and physiology, so if that's not your scene, you know, I'm going to talk about like some chemistry and stuff like that. If that's not your scene, then maybe this isn't going to be your favorite episode. But as I've said before, physiology in particular is so much more enjoyable when you don't have a test on it. So I went back to my first year vet school PCHEM notes and kind of looked at them for a second. Well, looked at them for more than a second and realized that I really had to be intimately familiar with all that at one point in my life. Um, And my physiology notes and found some good websites for review that I'll link in the show notes. Um, But the rumen is wild. Um, If you have questions about the rumen or anything else, please always feel free to find me online. The website is goattodoc.com, and you can click on the contact tab to send me a message through the website. You can email me at goatdoccara at gmail.com, which is Kara with a C, G-O-A-T-D-O-C-C-A-R-A at gmail.com. And you can find me mostly on the Instagram as far as the social media these days, which is goat underscore doc. As always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian client patient relationship with your local vet. Uh, I think the only other thing that I tend to forget to do when I introduce the podcast is to ask you if you can take a moment to rate and review, and I think you can subscribe too on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player app of choice. Um, Just tap it on your phone there, and that helps other people find the podcast. If you would like to share with a goat friend, that is also most appreciated, and... uh, yeah, helps people find the podcast and get the word out and things such as that. 
So we're gonna, I guess I'm gonna get into it now. I've got, like I took some notes earlier today and like I said, old school notes and looked back to this other lecture that I had um, about the, this like a lot of this stuff is gonna be kind of somewhat extrapolated from cows. There are some things where like you get some statistics and you learn it's like X in cows and Y in sheep and then you're like, well, goats are probably around there somewhere or it's X in cows and then you can say, well, cows are 10 times as big as goats and then you can extrapolate that way. Um, but as far as like the ruminant physiology of digestion and where they get their energy, it's pretty similar for ruminants in general, goats, cows, sheep, and the like. So we're going to break that down. Um, now, and I'm also, I'll also talk about like monogastrics a little bit. Uh, monogastrics means one stomach, so that's like humans and dogs and pigs and cats and anything else that has one stomach because you have probably heard if you ever talked about ruminants that, uh, you know, like cows have four stomachs or goats have four stomachs or sometimes people say they have five stomachs or they have two stomachs or whatever. They have more than one stomach is what people often say, which is a little bit of, um, not entirely accurate depending on what number is chosen by the individual saying the statement. Uh, So start off with like some basic anatomy, I guess. Uh, Ruminants have a four-chambered stomach system, I guess you could say. Uh, There are four compartments to their gastrointestinal tract, which in the gastro part, I guess you would say. Um, There is the rumen and the reticulum, the omasum and the abomasum. As far as a stomach, like what we understand or like what we as humans have as a stomach, which is a glandular like acid producing chamber, uh, ruminants have one of those, which is the abomasum, which is the last compartment of the stomach. And then they have the room in the reticulum and the omasum, which is like... The, the rumen is the big one. Uh, it's kind of like where the magic happens. And it is also physically the largest one. The reticulum also is the f- like most cranial in the uh, animal's abdomen. So like further up towards the chest. Um, and closely associated with the rumen and the omasum kind of hangs out down there by the abomasum and the omasum is like this mysterious organ that is poorly understood but uh yeah the rumen and the reticulum with the rumen in particular those are the big guys um the the contents of like those those compartments of or like those stomachs of a ruminant take up three quarters of the space of the ruminant's abdomen. So when you're thinking about things like a developing 
fetus or multiple fetuses in like the big old ruminant abdomen like there's space is important and this is why like I've ta- I can't remember what episode I've talked about like when babies are developing the uterus gets really big and full of babies and then there is less room for food to be ingested so that's like just like physical nature of the abdomen there is a finite amount of space there and the space is taken up by the guts when there's not babies and then they compete when there are um what else to say about these things uh the insides of these different uh compartments of the stomach have different uh epithelium so if you remember epithelium is like the lining the tissue lining and they also have different like patterns of uh papilla and uh like the reticulum has like a honeycomb pattern the which is like raised and lowered in that pattern um a rumen has like papilla which looks kind of like a shag carpet um the omasum has smaller papilla and also has like kind of these folds of tissue which look like a book like leaves like pages of a book kind of um and then the abomasum is like a regular stomach with like mucosal surface on the inside uh, and what those do and what is particularly important about the rumen uh, is that those papilla increase the surface area for the rumen lining to contact the ingesta. The ingesta is like chewed up stuff that has been ingested and just increasing that surface area is important because that's how where ruminants get most of their energy is absorbed through the rumen. So more surface area to contact food equals more energy in. Um, I think now I will kind of talk about going through the physical like ingestion of food we talked about this a little bit last episode and I this is preamble to (laughs) talking about digestion as we talked about teeth last last episode and uh, that's where digestion starts Uh, the ruminant chews its food more than once it ruminates uh, brings up the previously chewed food that has been turning around in the rumen, uh, brings that back up and chews it some more and then swallows it again. So teeth are important. The other component of the digestive process that is happening here during that rumination chewing of the cud is... um, that ruminants produce huge amounts of saliva. Uh, I also can't remember what episode I've talked about this, but like I think I talked about uh, rumin- like ruminants make a lot of saliva. Mostly they swallow it when they're eating and ruminating. And we don't even really know that they make that much saliva because it's just going through their GI. The saliva production has a couple of important functions. The first one is to um, add fluid to 
their rumen contents. Uh, so, like cows, for example, estimated production of saliva is 100 to 150 liters of saliva a day, which is crazy. Um, what, like, think about what that looks like. That's like 50 gallons. 50 to 60, 50 to 80 gallons probably of saliva. It's like a big old barrel and a half of saliva a day. And then extrapolating that to goats, goats are maybe producing 10 to 15 liters of saliva a day. So that's maybe like seven gallons, seven to nine gallons of saliva a day. I'm kind of bad with my, with my liters to gallons. I know like three point something liters to a gallon I think but that's a lot of saliva um and the other thing interesting about saliva is humans like I think we are saliva I don't know it maybe tends to be a little bit more thick and I we maybe think about it that way um like if you spit it's often kind of like stringy but ruminant saliva like when I sedate ruminants uh very most commonly they're drooling but it's not drool like in a cartoon that like hangs down and forms this like stretchy mucusy thing it's like water um they'll drool like water will just like drip right out of their mouths um so that is the saliva production that they're swallowing they're just constantly swallowing this fluid and adding it to their rumen contents um so what else is going on in the rumen? Uh, the animal takes a bite of hay, for example. It adds its saliva to the hay, so it starts to add water to the hay, and it swallows it down, and it mixes all up in there with previously ingested contents and water and saliva and makes this whole vat of chewed up plant material mostly and if it's an animal that eats grain maybe there's some grains in there or whatever I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about why this is crazy and why ruminants are so different from humans dogs cats whatever ruminants are like the rumen is this vat like I've said a few times that has made this like symbiotic relationship with million probably billions of microbes that have like set up shop in that rumen and uh, are able to break down plant material that monogastric animals are not able to break down and be able to take that plant material which is largely cellulose which is just like fiber and turn it into energy so ruminants have this whole like this is crazy um ruminants have the vat of their rumen where all these bugs live and the bugs can do something that no vertebrate animal can do and that is they can take cellulose which has these bonds that I wrote down um see if I can okay Something okay. 
the, the, the bugs, the rumen bugs are able to extract energy from cellulose, which we cannot. Like if you were to decide, I'm just going to start to eat like hay, you would not do too well because your body lacks enzymes that can extract the energy from cellulose. Cellulose, like in order to be broken down into... Uh, usable energy molecules. It has these bonds that are called glycosidic bonds um, and vertebrates cannot break them down, but bacteria and protozoans or probably fungi too uh, can. And at one point in a podcast episode, I talked about how like goat kids when they come out are essentially they function like monogastrics they have um, those chambers the room in the reticulum and the omasum are present but they're like rudimentary because they haven't had bugs ingested to set up shop in there and as the goat kid puts its mouth all over everything gets bacteria in its mouth the bacteria gets swallowed and it gets down in the guts where it's warm and moist and starts to colonize that stuff um the that it starts to like fill up the rumen and then like plant material gets down there and the bugs as plant material is ingested by the ruminant the bugs take that cellulose and they break it down and as the bugs break it down the kind of like one of the byproducts of them breaking down those glycosidic bonds and breaking things down into like energy molecules that are usable for the bugs and then when the bugs are all done with it their waste product there's a variety of waste products from their process of breaking that stuff down but the ones that are important to ruminants are called volatile fatty acids um, and uh, our VFAs and those things are what the ruminant takes up to make energy or to make glucose which then can power the ruminant's body the ruminant's mammal cells so without a rumen and without that gut full of bugs that ruminant is not going to be able to make energy and it is not going to survive it's kind of crazy it's actually it's really really crazy um we have this whole like kind of class of animals where they've developed this symbiotic relationship with all these bugs where the bugs live inside them and they the bugs help the ruminants digest this otherwise undigestible material and extract energy from this material that is otherwise not digestible other large herbivores do this in varying ways like camelids have a different stomach setup and horses have like their hind gut fermenters which is different and I don't think about horses as much as I used to um, because I mostly see ruminants in practice so I yeah I, I would have to review that before I could speak intelligently on hind gut fermenters but uh all these large herbivores that eat large amounts of plants, like, they have to have this relationship with microbes in order to get energy. Like, if, like I said, if we started trying to eat stuff that cows ate, we would not do too well. Or that goats ate. 
So that is why the rumen is important. And I'll talk again, like, I'll talk about, like, the VFAs and the physiology of this again a little bit later. But those micro, well, I mean, I mean, it's kind of, after that, it's kind of straightforward. The the volatile fatty acids, the VFAs, uh, acetic acid, propri, propionic propionate, uh, so propionic acid and butyrate, butyric acid are easily absorbed across the rumen. Um, they're absorbed into the animal's bloodstream and propionate, I think, is the big one that mostly goes to the liver. Uh, I think about 70% of the VFAs uh, produced in the rumen are propionate and go to the liver the liver picks it up and turns it into glucose because the liver is a crazy crazy organ that does all kinds of things um and so the liver picks that up turns it into glucose and then the animal has glucose to power itself um the other two uh, major VFAs can be can be changed into glucose by the liver but also kind of like anywhere else in the body uh, 70% of the ruminant's energy in general is from the rumen, from volatile fatty acids produced in the rumen. So the rumen is absolutely vital and necessary, and when you run into problems with the rumen, like, it's important to try to correct them. Um, and you got to, like, think of the rumen as, like, it's like this kind of like its own ecosystem in there. Everybody's going to have a little bit different of a rumen and different populations are going to have a little bit different rumen uh, biome. Like different, if you look at different herds of goats or different herds of cows, depending on what they eat and where they're located and all of these things, you're probably going to see like if you were to collect some rumen fluid and somehow quantify and identify the bugs in that fluid, you'd probably see some variance you definitely see variance like between individuals but you probably could like characterize groups of animals too um based on those things i just mentioned it's like how there's all this uh interesting studying into the human microbiome right now and like athletes have a different tend to have a different gut biome than people who are not athletes and so there's definitely research going on about like dog and cat microbiomes and how that affects their lives and issues that they may or may not have. But yeah, the bugs are super important. You got to have happy bugs in the rumen. There's some fun videos that exist that are like rumen fluid samples under a microscope and you can see all the little critters swimming around. There's a lot of... Uh, protozoans in there too which are pretty cool to to watch um all right so back to that digestive process the animal eats some vegetative fibrous matter swallows it goes down into the rumen slash reticulum and basically gets churned around for a long time the rumen has this like has contractions so part of that rumen vat is that it is constantly mixing the ingesta um, and you can think about 
think about the ingesta and like it's chewed up and that first mouthful like when you chew something up there's going to be small particles there's going to be big particles all the particles are going to be smaller because they're chewed up than they were when they were a part of the plant but just by the nature of grinding and chewing some of them are going to be very small and some of them are not and then the rumen's job aside from holding bugs and absorbing VFAs is to um, promote the continued breakdown of the, the plant material so the smaller the particles are the easier it is for the bugs to get to all of the energy that is stored in that plant material. So the bigger particles of plant material are at the top of the of the rumen contents, the ingesta, the light stuff, the light bigger particles are at the top. There's usually a gas cap on the top of the rumen, which is normal because another byproduct of the um, bugs chewing up the plant material is different gases. Uh, methane being one of them which you could talk about like livestock contribution to greenhouse gas emissions but that's probably a conversation for another time um so then so going down your layers of your rumen contents you've got your um gas cap you've got like the top of the rumen tends to have like larger particles and then smaller as it goes down to the bottom like think about how things settle out when you sh like if you have a how can what's a good analogy here if you have a jar that has sand and big rocks like the sand's gonna settle out to the bottom if you shake it up so similar with the rumen and then you've got that constant flowing of ridiculous amounts of saliva through the down through the esophagus into the rumen which helps facilitate washing and flushing those smaller particles downwards um, and then the rumen is contracting in a rhythmic way, usually like one to three contractions on average per every one to two minutes. And that facilitates the stirring of that vegetative fermented contents um, and getting the contents to touch the outside of like the lining of the rumen because the 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 rumen is overall kind of like a round shaped structure so the stuff that's in the inside is still being broken down but in order for the ruminant to benefit from it the ruminant has to absorb the VFAs that are being produced in order for them to absorb them they have to touch them so the contracting and constant mixing promotes that um, a healthy rumen with active, um, sorry, someone just wanted to back out into me where I was very visible in the road. Um, a healthy rumen with like an active biome and like is functioning well and is really happy has like these long, luxurious papilla inside on the inside of its lining the the it's like it's kind of like a 
good promotes good and then lack of good doesn't promote good um it's good to have those papilla like i talked about the um the increases area for absorbing those vital energy vfas so the more energy and like good rumen contents and everything is being absorbed and produced by those fermenting contents the bigger the papilla get on the inside of the rumen if there is any kind of event that um kills all the bugs in the rumen or the animal is on really crappy feed that isn't producing a lot of vfas then those papilla become blunted and they're like we're not getting worked like we're not being asked to do our job so they just get stunted and flat and the inside of a rumen um that is not working well is flat and sad looking it doesn't it doesn't look like a shag carpet it is flat um and stuff just kind of like slides off it it's really kind of depressing i'll there's some good pictures i'll try to find and post them so you can see what i'm talking about um the reticulum is as also kind of at the front end of this whole gastrointestinal tract, and the reticulum and the rumen coordinate their um, contractions and kind of pass ingesta back and forth, uh, and that you know just helps that whole mixing stuff. Um, as the ingesta gets really small, the particles get really small, it passes out to the outflow of the rumen into the omasum, and I mentioned before the omasum is kind of a mysterious part of the GI. We don't really quite know what all is going on in there. Um, the particles are very small, things flush through to the abomasum, which is the true glandular stomach. Uh, the omasum's probably picking up like so any residual uh, last little bits of VFAs that were not picked up in the rumen. Um, the omasum is significantly smaller. When I've like when done uh, like cow postmortems and things like that, I go, just look at the omasum. It kind of looks like on the outside, it's like basketball size. It's obviously smaller than that, and then go, but it's very round. It attaches very focally to kind of the flow of the gastrointestinal tract. And it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing. Um, so the small particles come through the omasum and then into the abomasum, uh, and the abomasum acts like the like I said, like the true glandular stomach, like. Um, like humans and dogs and monogastric animals where there's some acid production and everything is further broken down and then goes out into the intestines. Uh, one interesting thing about the ruminant abomasum is that there's this particular uh, enzyme that other monogastrics don't make uh, because if you think about what is being digested, not only is it all these little particles of plant material, but it's like this huge volume of uh, bugs, like rumen bugs and maybe it's, probably some of them are dead and like probably some of them are alive but ruminants have to have like a special enzyme to help break down the cell walls of those those bugs in order to um, digest them so yeah so that kind of gets us through the stomachs of the ruminant um, I think 
I think I hit on most of my high points here. Um, there's some really, uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit about like what happens when the rumen goes wrong. Um, pro- I think the most common thing that I see, um, where there's a rumen problem is like some kind of dietary indiscretion or like the goat got out and got into the chicken feed. And this goes back to thinking about the rumen like its own special, it's like this little enclosed microbiome. And if there's a, this biome has been fed this same stuff for a long time, um, and then suddenly the goat gets out and gets into the chicken shed and eats a whole bunch of chicken feed. Why is that a problem? So, I mean, most probably goat-owning people have heard of, like, grain overload or things like that. Um, And the the situation I just just described there is kind of like the classic situation. Goat gets out, gets into the grain. And overdoes it on the grain because that's what they do. Um, so what is, think about what's happening there is like this goat has been probably eating some grain if there's grain available or maybe hasn't been eating any grain and has been eating only hay, for example. Uh, that rumen is primed to create energy from hay. It is not primed to create energy from grain. Grain is like this quick carb loaded energy source that the bugs can break down quickly and uh, it's going to do different things to that rumen Uh, and most kind of significantly what it's going to do is like there's bug there's all these billions of bugs in the rumen and some of them are going to be better at dealing with that new slug of grain that got thrown in there and some of them are not so some of them are going to die some of them are going to be like woohoo this is a party but then they're going to create all of this extra activity and usually byproduct of this extra activity is some kind of acid so rumen ph is a like important thing to consider and why like if you've got all these bugs and they're creating all this like acidic byproduct that isn't getting utilized or just can't get utilized because it's like overloading then the other thing that happens there is then the whole ph of the rumen changes and when the ph of an environment changes like you've got bugs that are potentially going to die because that is not their livable environment Um, you've got bugs that are going to not work well because that is not their ideal environment Um, you're basically throwing the whole system out of whack when that happens all of the rumen like things that stimulate the rumen to continue to do what the rumen does uh, are kind of like blunted and don't work well. There's all kinds of different like chemical receptors and things in the rumen which are going to help stimulate the contractions and the rumination and the eructating and all of these things Um, but it really has to do with all of that balance of the rumen being optimal and if suddenly the rumen pH goes up well, the acidity goes up, then those things are not going to be optimal. Um, additional gas is produced typically as well by the, all that extra activity, and that can be a problem. Um, 
yeah so often what happens there is then like rumen in really bad cases like rumen contractions can stop when i listen to a goat and i listen to its rumen and it's real quiet that is not awesome i get concerned about that i like the guts to be loud in most of my large herbivore patients in all of my large herbivore patients um so that can that can be a cause because there's all these different chemical and physiological uh receptors and like uh what's the word i'm trying to think of uh inputs that tell the rumen to do what the rumen is supposed to do um yeah so that that's probably like the big thing for the rumen i tend to find so then like the rumen has to get its act back together and how does an animal recover from a grain overload or um like some kind of disturbance (laughs) disturbance in the force different uh disturbance in the rumen um like you've this can be hard this can be hard and it can be fatal um gut stasis can absolutely be fatal in ruminants if it is not addressed and treated um like immediate short-term things to do can be to correct the ph of the rumen um that ph if it's really acidic is then going to like eventually leak out into the rest of the body and start start messing with other physiologic processes uh sometimes these animals need like iv fluids with bicarb to bring their ph down um all all of these things are very um dependent on each other the um of an analogy and I'm thinking of really like terrible ones like if there's some ecosystem where like a bomb is dropped on it like eventually that ecosystem will recover sure like or there's like a forest fire and everything is wiped out um eventually stuff starts to creep back in and uh live again but it it sometimes needs help and in the case of the rumen being the biome like sometimes if we want to keep that animal alive we have to mm, do take outside measures to correct it to correct the issue in order to help the rumen bugs survive um so like oral fluids with i mean if nothing else oral fluids dilute out your acidic ph in the case of um like grain overload elevated or acidic rumen ph um you can at least dilute it out um things like baking soda or other buffers to the rumen contents can help buffer that ph um this is another reason why the ruminant saliva is very important because uh it also buffers the uh the acidic things that are produced in the rumen um the uh, 
the other thing that like I'm kind of a fan of and I don't do as often as I probably will someday is what's called transphonation. So that like in like an adult animal that has the has a developed rumen and like maybe it's a healthy animal that's never had a GI problem in its life and then all of a sudden it does like those that rumen has been like this stable biome for however many years and then all of a sudden there's a problem and a bunch of bugs die you gotta get the bugs coming back um probiotics meh probably better than nothing things like yogurt with lactobacillus bugs are great but like you gotta um have like there's all those talked about like the protozoans which are very important there's a I'm, in my reading of this I think this somebody said there was like a paper about goats with um, goat kids that were maybe they were fed some kind of like anti-protozoal medication um, during development and then there was the control group that was not so one group of goat kids got to have just bacteria in their rumen and then one group of goat kids got to have bacteria and protozoans in their rumen and the protozoan team like wins by a whole bunch way bigger more robust fewer problems um so that whole complicated uh population of different organisms is very important um, and sometimes to repopulate that uh, area, you need to do what's called transphonation, and that is to collect some rumen bugs from another critter and give them to the critter that killed all its bugs by eating too much grain. Um, Ideally, you would like to correct the rumen pH issue before doing that, so with oral buffers or whatever. But, like, if you even, I mean, it just depends on what the situation is. Um, if you repeatedly dump more bugs into the rumen, if you're able to do that, that's going to help. Um, some of them are going to die. Um, but that's a very, very important aspect of the whole the whole functionality of the rumen period um so transphonation is cool um some universities have like transphonate donor cows where they have a cannula in their rumen which is like a port with a cap and then you can go in the hole in their body wall and um steal some fluid and then give it to a sick animal um One other, oh yeah, this is another kind of interesting thing. Uh, like, the GI in all, and probably humans too, but like species that I learned about, so everything but humans, like mammal and vertebrate species, um, they, um, it's kind of a, an aspect, I think, of physiology that's not super well understood, but there's like a... The other thing that controls rumen contractions is, um, like, the nervous system. And dogs and cats as well, and, like, horses and whatever, all these creatures that have... <laughs> intestines and whatnot um there's like an enteric nervous system that 
controls uh, like gut motility basically so guts are always contracting we're not thinking about it it's different nerves it's different muscles um, that just like they're kind of like on autopilot and we don't consciously think about them but there is some level of control uh, ruminants we don't really know exactly what's going on here but um cows i don't know that i've ever seen this in a goat but it probably could happen um in cows there's a syndrome that's appreciated called vagal indigestion and that has to do with the vagus nerve which is one of the cranial nerves meaning it comes from the brain in cows it goes all the way down to the guts and um, sometimes if that vagus nerve is irritated or injured or something, then it really interferes with the coordination of the rumen contractility. This could lead to like bloating, like inability to eructate the gas cap off the top of the rumen. It leads to like uncoordinated churning. So like then they're not getting the energy that they need out of their guts. Um, yeah, so the, something about the vagus nerve is helping to coordinate experimentally, like cows that have their vagus nerve cut, then they start to have issues with, like, their rumen coordinating itself correctly. Um, there's a little good, like, little animation of showing how the rumen contracts, and it's like this whole, it's a whole procedure but similar to how like we're all sitting here or doing whatever you're doing and you're probably your body is in some area has some food in its um either stomach or intestines or somewhere and it's either churning the stomach is churning the intestines are contracting to move the ingesta around um but it's not doing it in like well unless there's something pathologic it should be doing it in a in a um, coordinated way that helps to move in just a along for energy absorption and uh, the vagus nerve is an important part of that for ruminants uh, trauma irritation all of these things can mess with that and cause vagal indigestion uh, if you can figure out what is causing the irritation to the vagus nerve you're probably maybe going to be able to help the issue but if not a lot of these animals don't do great um i think i was kind of covering all the things oh yeah now there's there's stuff about like goat kid um gut development that i wanted to talk about but this episode is getting kind of long so I shall perhaps do an addendum to this episode um, and post it a little bit later because this is um, yeah it's, it's getting off on a little bit of a tangent and I don't want to press my luck with lots of uh, physiology and the like so also can give you an opportunity to uh, get in touch with me and ask if you have any questions about any of this stuff because it's kind of a lot to take in and like 
It's one of those things where you talk about it on a superficial level or a more superficial level and then you talk about it on the next level and you kind of do the spiraling around it and getting really deep into it. So if there's something that needs clarification, hit me up on the internet and ask what I can explain better. Um, But that was the first kind of glimpse into the craziness that is the rumen um, and how our goats have a partnership with their gut biome in order to get energy from stuff that we absolutely as human monogastrics could not get energy from. So, yeah. That, I guess, is going to do it for the moment. That would probably be a shorter episode coming to talk about goat kids and what they do and how they develop some more. I know I've touched on it, but that whole spiraling thing works. Um, I'll probably think of some other stuff to talk about, too. But that will do it for the moment, and I will talk to you guys next time. 